My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is Wednesday. Uh, what day is it? It's Wednesday, October 30th, 2019. It's, it's this is Messiah Matters number 277. Uh, John MacArthur, Beth Moore, and women preachers. Oh my. My name is Caleb Hegg. Studying two big catalogs of things to go and listen to in San Diego. I'm Rob Vanhoff. I got mine too, buddy. I got mine too. Uh, I see uh, Petrovich is given a paper. Yeah, that is true. On the sons of God in Genesis 6, I think. Also true. Um, so that's for I don't know if you know. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but Petrovich gives a paper every year, sometimes too. Oh, does he? Does he? Huh. Does he? Does he ever give papers at SBL? I don't think so. Why Let's does it look like... What does it look like my mic is louder than yours? Say something. Something. Well, see, I, every every time you do that, you lean into the mic. That's not. I probably just need to talk louder. That's not really what's going on. All right. Uh, well, hello, everyone. Welcome to everyone in the chat room who's already there. What's the... Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Huh, what's the deal with the screen? There we are. Hi, everyone. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, you know can't do everything right oh we both took a sip of our out of our tour resource mug at the same time that was cool um so we got a lot to talk about it's uh it's the 30th of october as was already said which means that tomorrow is uh reformation day you know we've never really talked about halloween on this show but i got into a, a debate the other day on twitter with someone who asked they you know it was a, a christian I don't know if it was a preacher or not, but Christian, uh, obvious, obviously, uh, you know, getting input from other Christians on Twitter uh, and asked, what do you think about Halloween? Is Should Christians celebrate Halloween or should they not? And I said, uh, they absolutely should not. Uh, it is tantamount to uh, to pagan worship. And the guy said, you know, I've trick or, you know, I've I've trick or treated before. I never ended up at a pagan temple. And so this sparked a little bit of conversation. You know, one of the things that for me that that uh, it, it really bothers me to see people who are believers who do things like uh, you know trunk or treat, like they're trying to they try. Let's just change it a little bit so that our kids can have fun too. And uh, like children having fun is is the biggest thing that that matters. Oh, they can't see their little friends get candy. 
Um, anyway, is my is my my camera is off again? I'm gonna screw everything up real quick. There's lip sync. Yeah, there's a lip sync issue. Your lips are syncing. While asked, the question is: Is am I gonna come back now? There you go. Okay. Well, I think I might still be off. I don't know. Anyway. Um, That's better. So the, the point is, is that at what time does it, you know, okay. Obviously, someone who's trick-or-treating is not thinking that they're going into a pagan temple and, um, you know, uh, uh-oh, what just happened here? Uh, I'm sorry. They're, they're they're not going into a pagan temple and and uh, and worshiping a false deity. But at the same time, you know, at, at what point does it become pagan worship? At what point does does the act of participating in a ritual become part of that ritual? In other words, if if trick or treating was literally a part of a pagan festival and done as a part of pagan worship, is it then pagan worship? Whether or not you think it's fun or not, or whether or not it's you think it's innocent. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. That's my soapbox for the day. I don't know. When I was a kid, it was like we had pillowcases and we wanted to go get as much candy as we could. And it was like the dress up was like secondary. Like, so I usually went, I'm just going to go as a hobo and I'd, I'd like put like dots on my cheek to make it look like I, you know, had stubbles and I wore old raggy clothes and old raggedy hat. your dad's clothes on. <laughs> I get it. And then I'm... it's just like run and sometimes go to the same house or my sister's sick. Can you give me extra, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, um, but that was like when I was a kid and then it was like, what? Why do I want to do, you know, what's the, why do I want to do this? It's like, I don't really want to do this. You know, I don't well, it, really. Okay. But, but motivation, look, I mean, and I was not thinking for, through a, any kind of theological lens or anything. It's just but like, that I, doesn't, that doesn't I don't mean, even want to do this. That doesn't mean that. Okay. But you got good. Yeah. Okay. You got people who say, oh, I'm just trying to understand other cultures. So I'm going <clears> to <throat> go into this uh, mosque and I'm going to, you know, follow along. It doesn't mean anything theological to me. I bow down, I say the prayers with them, but I don't really believe in Allah, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Motivation does not make it right. Just because, you know, just because you're free in Christ doesn't mean you can go into the Buddhist temple and and worship Buddha. No matter what your motivation is, oh, I'm just going to talk to the to the monks. You know, I'm just maybe I'm trying to evangelize them. What's the what's the harm in that? I can go bow down before the statue of Buddha in the, in the Buddhist temple, no big deal, right? So, at what point does it become sharing in the table of demons? Motivation, in my opinion, doesn't make it necessarily right. Anyway, there's a blog post here. I can tell already. <laughs> I, I need to write a blog post about this. You know, I, in, I think it's in First Thessalonians where it says, distance yourself from all evil. I mean, people are dressing up as, as ghosts. and de- I mean, the whole thing was to try to, to imitate evil spirits. This is why people give candy, right? I mean, okay, I'm on a soapbox now. Let's move on. Anyway, uh, yeah, 
Happy Reformation. My wife is always like, what? We always tell our kids, you never take candy from strangers. Then there's this time where we send people to stranger after stranger after stranger and tell them to accept candy. And I was like, yeah, so that's why we never, it's like, yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, We got a lot to talk about, as I already said. Now, last week we were going to get to this. We never did. And it's the Zadokite calendar. So let's get to it today. This one's mainly for Rob. Hey, guys. uh, Jeff here again. I left you a message just about two hours ago regarding the calendar. And I just noticed my YouTube popped up and said, hey, here's a short uh, video on the matter of calendar issues. And I really, your video is great and appreciate that. Um, I am interested in understanding um, understanding the uh, Zadokite, um, obviously coming from Zadok um, and so forth. Okay, I stopped it there because he uh, he goes on. But yeah, okay, so talk about the Zadokite calendar. Rob, you know a lot more about this than I do. There's such so a great, great uh, voicemail on it, Caleb. I think you played me the, early, the other one he sent too. So thank right. you, Jeff, for the for the voicemail and the question. I think it's you're obviously not alone. Also thinking about this, and um, if I remember right, some of the context for him was that there's people that are actually studying and have actually right. changed their lifestyle according to what they're peddling as. The Zadokite calendar, right? right, or the true Zadokite calendar, which then, of course, is going to put them um, at odds with with the majority calendar from time to time, right. if not a lot of time during the feasts, particularly. Um, my presumption is that the, they're not arguing about the Sabbath day itself, although they might argue that 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 it's you know it's morning to, it's only the daylight hours or the actual sabbath you know there's these kind of things so the question that I, what i understand jeff asking is where does this come from like what i want to learn more about like where this comes from well where it comes from is primarily uh, the dead sea scrolls and other uh, ancient jewish works that are extra canonical that are not part of the canon of scripture However, the Dead Sea Scrolls do not, there's no term called the Zadokite calendar in any ancient Jewish source. So there's no, there, it's not like you can say, you know, search for the Dead Sea Scroll called the Zadokite calendar. Right. Um, that's a discrete, that's a kind of a scholar's attempt to describe it. Um, and what is it? So then there's the other issue. Uh, Marty Abeg, who is a, uh, real good friends with uh, Tim Haig and um, and they have long history. I think they've known each other, what, 40 years or more probably. Went to the same seminary. Yeah. And I think your dad actually introduced him to his uh, his wife, if I remember right, because uh, I think she worked for your dad in his print shop. In any event, Marty Abeg has, has an article well, I would recommend any any stuff that Marty Abeg's been involved with, with in terms of solid um, scholar, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls scholarship. I would uh, encourage you to read. But he has an article, and I don't know exactly where it is, but he unpacks the calendar. He kind of tries to say we have these fragments of calendar from Qumran, uh, and he tries to to explain it and then fill in the gaps of what it would look like if we had the whole thing. Now, I don't know if, if the people Jeff's been interacting with 
uh, are aware of Dr. Abeg's work or not, that would be one place I would say to start. And if you email me, I could hunt down the actual title of the article and where to find it. Um, aside from that, um, it really, it, we don't have any buddy, any writing survive of any Jews keep trying to keep some kind of alternative calendar called the Zadokite calendar. And it's like a, it's like a very recent development. Um, so the equivalent would be to find some ancient sect of Judaism where we, we have only fragmentary writings who called themselves B'nai Tzadok, sons of Tzadok. Does that mean they were really? The other side note there is that that seems to be where the word Sadducee comes from. Uh, Sadducee, right. um, Sadukim, or Tzadukayoi in Greek is understood to be a transliteration of Tzadukim. Uh, or the Tzadokites. So, and if, and that, that seems pretty solid to me. And so really this is a Sadducean calendar, um, which is then opposed to the Pharisaic. And some of the, the main features in terms of just rubber meets the road would be how to count the Omer, right? Would be sure, a, sure, a sure, big sure. one. The Sadducean calendar, at least at Qumran, does not celebrate Hanukkah. There's no recognition of the Maccabean um, victory um, and, uh, that's probably the big one. So the dating of Shavuot is going to be a big one. And, um, it was, it, it, you know, there's no, I mean, even though today there are Jewish groups that will advocate a different way of counting the Omer and a different way of observing the calendar, it, it really is a fringe fringe group that is emerging in the modern era. Um, and I think that's, that's important. Now the motive, I would say if these are believers in Yeshua and they are advocating a Sadducee encounter, that's just, that's, that's just typical of what I would call Hebrew roots ignorance. And I, I, I mean, and again, I understand not everybody who, who that Hebrew roots is not a monolithic Entity, and I know many, as we talked about Hebrew roots, there's people who defend that. But the problem, back to what we were talking about, of what is he, if if Hebrew roots is a real thing, what's it stand against? Um, you have to have at some point a discussion about the calendar, right? But because of the crazy different types of teachings that people latch onto, that, that I associate under this large fluid umbrella with no corrective no clear defining statement. Um, I call it, I, I, I think of it as a Hebrew roots kind of uh, adventure. You know, it's like some groups like they're, we've solved, we have the true calendar, we have the ancient calendar. Um, but we, we have no record of any Sadducee becoming a believer in Yeshua. We have a lot of Pharisees and priests become believers but no, there's no record of any Sadducees ever believing in Yeshua. Uh, and we know that they didn't even believe in the resurrection. Right. So it's problematic just on that term to say, why would disciples of Yeshua want to flirt around and actually modify their lifestyle as an act of worship to the Almighty based on a Sadducee, on a fragmentary uh, Sadducean um, tradition 
that will be highly speculative to to reconstruct in its entirety anyway. It's just it's like it's it's the epitome of building a house on sand in my view. Right. Uh, but again, Jeff, if you email me, I'll see if I can hunt down that Marty Abeg article. And that would just be a starting place. I mean, there's going to be a lot of scholarship out there. But you want to go to the legitimate Dead Sea Scroll scholars, not fringe, um, not fringe. To answer Paul's question, um, I'm not sure. I would have to look at, at uh, it could be a typo. Paul asked uh, why Torah Research has Shavuot on uh, 2020 on a Friday. I don't know. I haven't. I, I didn't create that. I, I would have to look at it and see if it's opposed to the traditional Hillel calendar. Virginia Powers is asking about this phrase, in, and I want to just quickly uh, address this. She's asking about this phrase uh, where John says, uh, let's see here, uh, weren't there a couple of different calendars in Yeshua's time? That's why John says Passover, the Feast of the Jews. There were different calendars at the time, but that's not, I don't believe that's why Paul or John uses the phrase Passover, the Feast of the oh, Jews. Like, is that John 6? Yeah, 6-4. Um, and then she says, uh, okay, w- w- then why does he use that phrase? I, oh, I why believe, does he say of the Jews? Yeah, and I, I believe it's because of the audience that he's writing to. Uh, John is, John's gospel is very distinct from the synoptics, why, which is why we have the synoptics, as, which are the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as opposed to John. Right. I believe, and I, and I think there's good evidence for this, and I think that uh, there's been good scholarly work to show this, that John is, is combating various theological uh, uh, theologies. Theological theologies, is that what it is? Anyway, uh, different views that have arisen within believing communities. Mainly, he's opposing Gnosticism, among other things, but Gnosticism is one of them. He's also using a lot of Jewish uh, theology. For instance, John 1 is, is uh, you know, uh, Boyarin has done a lot of work on this, but, you know, Philo already has the word theology, the, the Logos theology and the Mamre theology has already influenced uh, uh, Philo's theology. And so he's, he's speaking to what I believe is this idea of Gnosticism and, and other things. Because of that, he's writing a lot to Gentiles. I believe that, you know, if he's writing in 95, which I believe he is, around 95, um, the temple's already fallen, and I believe that the uh, the synagogue and or believing communities has become a melting pot. Well, yeah, and, and the end of the Gospel of John is, this is, I've written this so that you will believe, so that you'll believe Right. Right. So but I don't understand who he is. I, I, and, I mean, and no offense. I just to... pulled it up. In John, you have a couple times that this is consistent. Like, for example, um, in John chapter 2, it says the Passover of the Jews was near. Right. Right. And then John 5 1, a feast of the Jews. 6 4, the Passover, the feast of the Jews. And then in 7 2, the feast of the Jews. So it, it does seem to be a teaching gloss, right? It's to help the audience understand. But I don't even, I don't understand. I mean, this isn't to, to, uh, oppose or to down anything that, that, uh, people in the chat room believe. I just don't even understand why that, why that would be an argument for various calendars. I mean, would that, would that assume that, that John is on a non Hebrew slash Jewish calendar? 
the Essene calendar was even, I mean, no matter what calendar he's on, if it has to do with the temple and or belief, it was coming from a Jewish sect. So there would be no reason for him, no matter what calendar he would, like, in other words, calendar would not uh, influence this phrase of the Jews, in my opinion, unless he was on a pagan calendar. If we look, for example, at Philo or Josephus more specifically, because he lived at the time and he was a priest, there's never a description of it's always like everybody's there for one Passover. Right. Right. It's it's including um, Yeshua. Yeah. It's never there's never a story of these this group came and then another group came with their Passover. It, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's it's one temple and so it was the day the Essenes came to bring their Passover sacrifice. So yeah, to, I, I hear I hear the question and I so I would I'm on your side of this in seeing Caleb if I'm hearing you correctly. The of the Jews does not mean, um, in my view, to exclude or to imply, oh, there's multitude and it's the one of the Jews, just for clarification. That would, uh, I think that's, that would be asking too much of the od- the initial audience of John's gospel. Um, By the because way. Because this is, this is elementary instruction in a way. Where, um, what, where, this is early. I mean, where, the, <clears throat> these conversations are coming early, right? But Paul, Paul asks, so Torah Resources' position is that the counting of the, of the, after the Sabbath means Passover, not the weekly Sabbath, correct? That is absolutely correct. And not only that, but I believe we see it within the Scriptures. In other words, I believe that this is the counting that Yeshua followed as well. And we can see it because, because John calls it the great Sabbath. He calls the, he calls the Sabbath of, uh, of, of the Passover, uh, within the Passover week, that is, to be the great Sabbath. What does that mean? It means they start, they, they went out, they grabbed all the sheaves, and they came back. There's extra sacrifices on that day because it's the day that they count Sabbath, or they count Omer 1. I believe that, I, I personally believe, this is my personal belief, and honestly, it's the belief of Torah Resource as well, because I think everyone on staff believes it, that, that the Scripture clearly upholds the the first century counting which Yeshua held to as starting the day of Nisan 16 and this is what we would call the pharisaic correct uh, uh, understanding and again so the it's pharisees that became believers in Yeshua not sadducees right uh, pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead sadducees did not and we also have from Josephus and Philo we have other first century Jewish sources that confirm that the counting, that the, the first day of the counting of Omer was the 16th of Nisan, the day after the 15th. Right. And now I understand that people want to go, you'll go to Leviticus 23 and you'll say, Shabbat, this is the day after the Sabbath. But we also have to understand that Shabbat is truly, it has a primarily primary meaning but later in Leviticus, Shabbat also is talking about Sabbaths of years, which is just talking about sevens. And right. so it, it um, and the Septuagint, also the Greek translation, also reflects the Pharisaic understanding. Yeshua, and this is one of the places, in my view, that it's important to understand the Matthew 23, where it says the scribes and the Pharisees. There's something from the scribal tradition, and there's something from the Pharisaic tradition, both, they're not conflated, they're different, both of which are important historically and uh, authoritatively for interpretation that come down 
for believers from Pharisees and scribes. That's not an endorsement of rabbinic halakha. Right. But, and, and in fact, when we look at the, the unfolding of the, of the, the early church, you know, we have Paul of Tarsus, right? He's, he's, he still claims to be a Pharisee. There's no way Paul was celebrating a <laughs> Pentecost. You know, he, when he's, he leaves Ephesus, I think we're going to talk about Timothy today, which is in he's, he, when he writes to Timothy, Timothy's in Ephesus. Right. And, you know, Paul says, I'm going up to keep Pentecost, right? I'm going to Jerusalem. He's, he's got a counting method that is going to cohere with the Pharisaic worldview, right? With the Pharisaic understanding of, of that keeping. And I think that's authoritative for believers in Yeshua. That's my uh, Joseph uh, in the chat room says sometimes the Jews can mean the Judeans depending on the context. That's true. But the, but the point is that sure. the Judeans did not have their own specific calendar. The Pharisees had a calendar, which coincided, I think, obviously with the Sadducean calendar. And the yeah. reason I believe that is because there was no diff- they didn't have any kind of different temple service. And then so you and and the Pharisees were not central to Judea. In other words, there were Pharisees all over the land. It wasn't like the Pharisees were only in Judea. And so I would take it that this this means that for John, the Pharisaic calendar was the calendar, it was the legitimate calendar for the Jews. If he would have written the Passover of the Pharisees was near, that that would have sent the wrong signal. Right. Um good question. Yeah. Yeah. Great discussion. Okay. Um, you know, so uh, we a couple weeks ago, we uh, launched our fall producer credit and uh, executive producer credit. Actually, I think we're going to change that too. I think it's going to be an associate producer credit, but then once you get a certain amount of them, you become an executive producer. Anyway, um, this is the mug that was uh, offered to our produces this quarter for the three months of the fall quarter. And now we are going to take some time and we are going to thank the people who have become producers of this show for the fall quarter. And so we have a couple of them. No one has sent in messages, but that's okay. Janet Lewis came in from uh, Shraverport, Louisiana as an associate producer. Thank you much. You've been blessed. And then we also have, uh, now, every every other person has made producer status. They've had more than five associate producer credits. And so, uh, yeah, once again, we still don't have any messages from people. People just, you know, they just want the cups. That's all there is to it, which is fine. Um, and I think that we're going to uh, we're going to make a whole page of this and everything on the new site when we get it up and and uh, and running. Um, so Steve had a producer credit, but I think that he always gives it to YeshuaShirts.com, and so we'll just say uh, YeshuaShirts.com is one of our producers. They're down in California and Idaho now. They've split. <laughs> Which is fine. Anyway, since... Uh, they're expanding. They're expanding, yes. They've expanded into Idaho. Uh, YeshuaShirts.com, start a conversation today. Uh, if you don't have... Have you ever asked yourself, why don't I have clothing that says Yeshua on it? Well, no, you can't. Go to YeshuaShirts.com. And uh, since Steve is the one who uh, asked for this sound clip, I'm just going to give it to him. And I'm going <laughs> to combine another one. Let's see here. 
I'll give him one of my favorites. Oh, no. What is it going to be? Well, let's see here. Where's one of my favorites? Mm. Oh. Yeah. Here we go. Weights and measures. (laughs) We do not get a lot of humor here, and when we do, it's wonderful. You've been blessed. Okay, and then I'm going to combine the rest. Bob and LaRue Miller, who have been faithful supporters of this show from Eagle, Idaho. They just moved as well. Uh, Marla Clark came in once again. And John Colthart, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, from Essex, UK. And Erna and Lou Draper. You guys are the producers for the fall quarter, and we are so grateful that you have helped produce this show. One more time. Uh, well, let's give, should we give, a, should we give a song? Let's, I mean, okay, let's do it. Here's a song yep. for you. You're a legend in your own mind. Your mom goes to college. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Loudmouth and the Hulk. You've been blessed. I love it that that's my wife's voice that says you've been blessed. You've been. And she doesn't listen to this show, so she doesn't even know how how often her voice is played. <laughs> Deep mischief. That's just uh, I, one of the best uh, coin terms ever. Oh, Walter Kaiser, that was a great that interview. Had- it, I, I got to say, you know, it's funny because people will meet my wife and my kids who, you know, who people who listen to the show and they'll and they'll start talking about the show with me. And then they'll turn to my wife and be like, you know, like when he says, and she's like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't listen to it. And people are always like, you don't listen to the show. And she's like, I hear him all day long. All day long. Why would I want to turn when he's not here, turn it on and listen to him? (laughs) No doubt. Oh, Jessica brings up. uh, We got to talk about this, too, for a few seconds. This is this is also in in, uh, interesting in the mainstream news. Kanye West. New album, Yay or Nay. I've listened to a significant portion. For those who don't know, Kanye West, a... Uh, is it Jesus is Lord or Jesus? Jesus is King. Uh, Kanye West, a very prominent I, personality in general, right? He's a hip-hop artist uh, of the secular bent, or at least was, uh, married to a Kim Kardashian, who I actually know very little about because I don't keep up with any of that kind of stuff. Um, so he's on TV, and uh, some of his previous music, apparently, once again, don't listen to Kanye West, so I wouldn't know. Uh, his previous music was uh, very world worldly and uh, inappropriate in many ways. Uh, Kanye West has, has uh, claimed that he has come to the Lord, which I think is fantastic, and I... You know, I take I'm of the opinion that I believe I believe a person has come to the Lord until they do something that is uncharacteristic of a believer and is corrected by believers and doesn't receive correction. That's when we have would start questioning. So I just assume that Kanye uh, Kanye West's conversion has been real and I would uh, accept him as a brother. The interviews that he has done has been unbelievably on point, I think, in many, many ways. Uh, he's not afraid to stand up for what he believes. There's that. And some of the words that he's, he's written in his new album, Jesus is King, uh, have been just fantastic. Um, I bow before the throne. My life is not, my, my life is his. It's not my own. I mean, I think that was one of the lines that really stuck with me. You know, 
and I, I think uh, you know he's the, all of the interviews that I've seen recently. I went on a binge, on a Twitter binge recently, and looked you know hashtag Kanye Ooh. West, and uh, just saw you know watch some of the interviews and everything. Every single time he talks about his conversion and uh, his life being, you know, he said something that I, I, I there's there's little things that I take uh, you know issue with, but ultimately you know he, he's. Uh, he, he's doing this tour now with a gospel group. He, his pastor comes out and, and his pastor's on point, by the way, reform and, and all, um, his gospel comes out and, or his uh, pastor comes out and gives the gospel. One of the things that he said that I uh, took issue with, and this is minor, but he said, you know, I'm not a slave. I'm a son. Now I get what he's saying. And that's fantastic. I'm a, you know, I've be, I've been adopted as a child of God is what he's saying, which Excellent. Fantastic. However, at the same time, we need to say that, you know, I think part of the gospel message is, is that we are slaves to sin until we are freed from being slaves to sin and become slaves to Christ. We are slaves. We are slaves to righteousness. Romans 5, homie. Exactly. Uh, can you hear the gospel in the interviews? Yes, I can. I believe that Kanye West is currently preaching the gospel. Now, some people have come out and said, well, it'll take, you know, we'll see under persecution whether or not he, he stands firm. Okay, that might be the case. What I can say is that, uh, is, is that no matter what, the Lord is using what is happening right now with Kanye West and, and his album to shine the light of the gospel into some dark places. There's been a lot of people who uh, do not believe in God at all who have heard the gospel through his album. Um, so I think that's, uh, I think, I think that's great. I think that's fantastic. And the fact that it, it's King he used the word King, that's, uh, that's world, you know, that's royalty, that's sovereignty, that's authority, power. And he chose to make that his, uh, his, uh, album Dude, title. Right? Carl, Carl Mangus. Uh, that is a great dad joke. He said, I'm with Worf. I don't trust anyone married to a Cardassian. <laughs> it's a Star Trek Next Generation joke. Anyway, yes, oh. fantastic. Carl, points on the dad joke. Okay, let's move on to our main topic. And uh, do we have a fight? Oh, do about? we have one? Do we have a main topic? Oh, yeah, yeah we do. Into our show. This, this, this is, uh, this is uh, some fighting... Some fighting material right here. I, basically, I said, should we talk about MacArthur? And I'm, Rob instantly said yes. Ultimately, it was like saying, should we tick off at least half of the people who listen to us? <laughs> the answer is, I mean, we're not going to. And the reason why is because th this has gotten so much play on both sides. Either people are all for what MacArthur, you know, for what MacArthur is saying, John MacArthur, or people are totally against it. There's not like, oh, well, you know, um, yeah. So for those who don't know what's going on, there was a uh, there was a conference recently where John MacArthur and some other uh, people were talking, and and uh, th this was like a Q&A session. Todd Friel was the moderator of this session, and Todd loves to do this thing where he, he's, he'll, he'll give one or two words, 
And then the people on the board are supposed to give like a, a very short one or two first thing that comes to your mind when you hear this word kind of a response. Now, this has sparked some large controversy in the past by John MacArthur. Now, I would have to go back and listen to it. Uh, uh, Mr. Friel, he he references that uh, be careful because the last time this happened, uh, someone wrote an entire book off of the one word or, or the phrase that, that uh, MacArthur responded with. So I'd have to go back and, and research that more. Um, and MacArthur straight up says, I feel like this is a trap. Now, of course, it seems like every time this happens, MacArthur, uh, the, the, you know, the Twitters and the Facebooks, they, uh, they, they erupt with controversy over whatever it is MacArthur says, <laughs> which is fine. I don't think that MacArthur really actually minds. I don't think he cares. I have seen nothing personally from uh, as a response from MacArthur trying to clarify anything. And I think the reason why is because in his mind, he's clarified very well his stance within this interaction. Now, the you're going to have to uh, I've I've pulled some audio clips from from what's online. You're going to have to excuse the audio. And the reason why is because whoever recorded this, this is not the official recording from like the soundboard. This is a recording from someone's phone. So the record, I had to bump the audio. It's it's horrible audio, but you can still hear it. So this is the this is the phrase that was heard round the internet that everyone is very upset about. He's talking. Well, I'll just let you listen. We're gonna start out. This is this is just kind of touching your toes. Easy easy setup for you. Let's begin with an easy one. The word is Beth Moore. I'm already gonna stop it now. For those who don't know, Beth Moore is a prominent, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know how to describe Beth Moore. Beth Moore uh, is a teacher, preacher, um, and uh, she's prominent, I think. She got uh, to, she came to prominence, I think, mainly through her outreach towards women. However, she is the, I believe she's one of the head preachers at a church. Okay? Now, one of the reasons that people, I think the audience is responding the way it is, oh, you know, is because MacArthur and others have come out vigorously against Beth Moore before and some of the things that she's taught. And so when Friel says, I'm going to start with an easy one. So there's a lightning round. So I'm going to give you a real short phrase and then you have to reply. Right. But it's equally but, short. You know, Friel sets this thing up with, I'm going to start light. I'm going to start with a real easy one. And then he says, Beth Moore, the reason that he's getting the response he's getting is because this is not an easy one. I don't think I think that this is actually a loaded. He knows that he's setting up, a. you know, he's not throwing uh, softballs here. He's throwing grenades. No, this is like a 95 mile an hour pitch right down the center. Yeah, he's being he's Fast. being sarcastic. So this is why you have the initial response, I believe, from the audience the way that because as soon as he said Beth Moore, I thought, oh, myself, you know, I think. I think, oh, great, here we go. Let's listen again. Easy setup for you. Let's begin with an easy one. The word is Beth Moore. That's two words. <laughs> Literalist. All right. Dr. MacArthur, Beth Moore. How many words do I get? You know, actually, and, and before you answer this, please think carefully this time, because last time you did a one-word association, yeah, the guy wrote a book a about trouble, it, and you know. we don't want that. I was thinking of the same word. Okay. Go home. 
see we're warmed up. Why <laughs> dilly dally? Um, there's no case that can be made biblically for a woman preacher. Period. Paragraph. End of discussion. Okay, so let's stop here. There is no the, uh, there is no case that can be made biblically for a woman preacher. That's kind of a claim, right? Right. Now, you know, I, I so think he that, sees her as a, attempting to be a preacher. Is that correct? I mean, he I sees think she her, is a preacher. She preaches at a church. <clears throat> so, okay. so uh, I don't I don't listen to her or follow her, so I I'm ignorant on this, but that's okay. I thought she just wrote books more. I know I know that she tours around and fills the stadium like big huge. She sees herself as a preacher. The chat okay. room is correct. Um and actually uh Andy Stanley tweeted something uh last Sunday saying Beth Moore is preaching today all are invited and then uh went on to talk about what she was preaching on. Um So oh, as kind of like an up yours to MacArthur. I think it was a challenge. Yeah. I think, uh, but here, first of all, let's, let's uh, break this down just a little bit. Now, now MacArthur uh, comes out with this phrase, go home. Now, was this harsh? Absolutely. I think it was harsh. And uh, I, I think that in the open Q and a at this conference, I think things are a little bit more casual. I don't think that he's trying to you know, obviously, they're doing this this uh, exercise where he says a word and, and, and he responds. The question that I would have is this. It, you know, MacArthur and, and uh, the others on stage obviously see Beth Moore as someone who is not qualified and a false teacher. So if if the word would have been... Uh, basically, I don't know if they, if this is seen Wait, as... Oh, a, so this... Again, this is something I'm not familiar with. He's called her a false teacher in the past... Oh yeah, oh okay. oh yeah yeah. Okay, um, and so is so is Friel. So the issue is not because because he interprets it as there's no biblical grounds for a woman preacher. Correct. But MacArthur, MacArthur you, clarifies. MacArthur clarified. But what I'm hearing you say is that if you look at the larger background of MacArthur engaging with this with the idea of Beth Moore, it's not just that she's a woman. It's that there's. There's false teaching. There's involved. theological issues that 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 MacArthur oh. has with, with her, and this gotcha. this this is my point: is do, is this seen by others as is this seen as er, by everyone as he's downing her because she's a woman, or if he would have said the same thing about like a Stephen Furtick, if the word would have been Stephen Furtick and MacArthur would have said go home, would it have been opposed right. in the same way? I mean, in other words, is he saying go home because she's a woman like your place is in the home or is he saying go home because you're just you're stop fa- doing what you're stop doing, doing yeah. what you're doing? So it's loaded. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm not I, I, I'm not going to wow. st- stand and, and try to defend the term go home, which MacArthur has used. In fact, I think that that the person who uh, the other person on the board, because Friel then goes to the other person that's uh, that's up on stage, and I think the other person on stage, and I apologize for not knowing the person's name. Uh, I have his face in my in my head, but I'm bad at these things. Um, I think that he actually nails down a little bit more what is a bigger issue that's going on. Let's listen. Phil, anything to add? Phil. No, I, the word that comes to my mind is narcissistic. I, I think the first time I saw her, I thought, 
She, she is, this is a, going back to the last session of what Mike said, this is what it looks like to preach yourself rather than Christ. All right. And she, in uh, fact, she has said that. She said, I read the Bible and I try to find myself in the narrative. I put myself in the narrative. And that, that is exactly what she does. Okay, so so we see a little bit more of, of this false teaching, the, the false teaching claim. I personally have, have not listened to, like you, Rob, I haven't listened to a lot of Beth Moore at all. In fact, I've done a very little amount of research. What I can tell you about Beth Moore is this. From, from the very minimal, the maybe 20 minutes that I've watched of Beth Moore in the past week because of this comment, I've seen some very, it just in that short, short time that I've watched her, her speak, I've seen some very concerning things. You know, reading yourself into the into the text of the Bible is obviously one of them. I would say that uh, any teacher, whether male or female, it doesn't matter. Anyone who says things like, uh, and not once or twice, but a lot, says, I had a vision from the Lord. The Lord told me uh, I, w- I was praying and the Lord showed me this and told me to say it all the time. Um, all these kind of uh, to me, any any person who does that is automatically on shaky ground. And the reason why is because this puts our own experience and or feelings above or on the same par with Scripture. If God tells you something then it, and it's from God, then you're a prophet. That means that what you have seen and what, what you have understood is, is on par with scripture instantaneously that I, I am on, I'm on the defense right there. So I don't know if, if uh, I'm, you know, I don't know what MacArthur's problem with Beth Moore's theology is outside of what I've seen myself. Well, and, and the specific thing he's saying here is that um, obviously they're reading first Timothy differently than each other. Right. And he's going to say his, his reading is correct. And hers is wrong. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the things that you're going to get from the, from, um, I think, like, he, like MacArthur would say, if you really understood the Bible, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. That's right. that's what MacArthur would say to Moore. Well, MacArthur, yeah, and I think that MacArthur also he says that uh, you know he he kind of says that a woman who's trying to preach is doing so out of self. It's not out of a love for the gospel essentially is in a much roundabout way. And I think the reason that he's that what I understand this to mean is that if you love the Bible and the Bible says that a woman shouldn't be a preacher, then you wouldn't be preaching. If you love the Bible, you would, you would do what the Bible says. That's what I think he's MacArthur saying. And therefore it's self-centered to try to do something that the Bible doesn't say and preach the Bible. I think that's where he's coming from. Um, so we get into this idea of actually, should we listen to his last clip before we dive into sure. uh, yeah. what the Bible says about this? Okay, here we go. I would just add one thing. Um, just because they're laughing, they're laughing because he says, I would just add one thing, but he said, end of story, end of paragraph, period. You know, there's the Bible does not allow for a woman preacher. And then he says, period, end of end of paragraph. 
I would just add one thing, and then everybody laughs. So this is this is why they're laughing at this point. I would just add one thing. Um, just because you have the skill to sell jewelry on the TV sales channel doesn't mean you should be preaching. There are people who have certain hawking skills, um, natural abilities to sell. They have energy and personality and all of that. Um, that doesn't qualify you to preach. Profoundly troubles me because I think the church is caving in to women preachers. Um, just the other day, the same thing happened with Paula White. A whole bunch of leading evangelicals endorsed her new book. Hang on just a sec. If you don't know who Paula White is, uh, I mean, he's right on Paula White. Paula White uh, preaches a prosperity gospel. And, I mean, her her teachings are just, uh, it's very sad that anyone from the Southern Baptist Convention would endorse Paula White. It's it's shocking, honestly. She's a heretic and a prosperity preacher, three times married. And what what are they thinking? Uh, the Me Too movement, again, is the culture reclaiming ground in the church. When the leaders of evangelicalism roll over for women preachers, the feminists have really won the battle. Um, the primary, the the primary, the primary effort in feminism is not equality. It's not, they don't want equality. That's why 99% of plumbers are men. They don't want equal power to be a plumber. They want to be senators, preachers, congressmen, president, the power structure in a university. They want power, not equality. Um, and this is, this is the highest location they can ascend to that power in the evangelical church and overturn what is clearly scriptural. When he says overturn what is clearly scriptural, I think what he means is is his understanding of 1 Corinthians 14, Timothy, Titus 2, these kind of things. I think this is feminism gone to church. This is why we can't let the culture exegete the Bible. This is why we can't let the culture spot on. exegete that is, the... Exactly. That, that, that is spot on. That I would agree with completely. We cannot let the culture exegete the scriptures. 100% right on that. Um, somebody says, if, is Beth Moore an elder? Okay, now this is actually where we get into some interesting territory. And the reason why is because, um, is there a difference between preaching that is proclaiming the good news of the gospel and being an elder? Because what, what Paul says is, I do not allow a woman to preach and exercise authority over a man. Right? Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, thir uh, 34 through 36. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the ecclesias of the saints, the women should keep silent in the ecclesias. Now, this has brought a lot of, uh, you know, I, I once... I once courted a girl, I dated a girl who, whose father uh, came to the congregation I was attending at the time, and he said, I can't believe that women actually prayed openly and asked questions openly. They're supposed to stay silent in the church. What he meant was that they weren't allowed to talk at all. Um, and I said, wait, you don't let, your church doesn't let women 
pray in service? He said, absolutely not. They go into another room if the women want to pray. All the women go into another room and pray. I think this is totally and completely unbiblical. And one of the reasons why is because of 1 Corinthians 11. We'll talk about that, that in just a second, but let's go to let's continue this 1 Corinthians 14 passage. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the Torah also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in, in the ecclesia. Okay, now, Paul has a lot of clarif- clarifying passages that we can go to to try to understand what he's saying here. So, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. First of all, but every wife uh, who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. So, obviously, Paul expects women to be able to pray and prophesy. So what does he mean in 14? Would you like to weigh in on this, Rob? No, I'm following along. Keep going. I had to pull up my 1 Corinthians 14 here. Um, <clears throat> I think that I I personally believe that, uh, that it is unbiblical. I think MacArthur's on to something when he says that a woman shouldn't preach in terms of, I think that, that I would clarify that with, with authority. In other words, a woman, I don't think that the scriptures give the, uh, give a woman the, uh, the authority to be an elder within the ecclesia to preach with authority. In other words, this is what the Bible says, and this is what you need to do. And I know that's controversial, but I, I don't see how we can un- interpret Paul's words other, other than that. Now, obviously, women can teach, right? Women are supposed to teach their household. You know, I, somebody a- asked me one time, what would you do if you had a, a, uh, a seminary teacher who's a female? Well, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that there's something different about the ecclesia and the role of the ecclesia within that is, and for those who don't know what that word is, that means uh, assembly or commonly translated church. So I think that the, the believing community plays a very significant and crucial role within the life of a believer, which is one of the reasons that it's so egregious when, when believers are not part of some kind of a faith community. And I think that, that that faith community has structure, and I think that faith community has authority structure. I am a complementarian, not an egalitarian. And so I believe that I believe that there are authority structures, and I believe within the faith community that believers are are called to be a part of. The authority structure, those who preach with authority and and make decisions according to the spiritual well-being and life of the congregants within that community are to be men. And I think that's what the, t- the scriptures teach. The and scriptures th- teach that in, in many different ways. The, the, I mean, in one, it's in 1 Timothy 2, where he, Paul anchors it to Adam, then Eve, the order of creation. And in 1 Corinthians, I th- right, he says it's Messiah, then it's the man, then it's the woman. And that's the design. That's the, the the biblical design. All the all the books of the Bible were written by men. And even in uh, the Numbers thirty with the with the vows, that the husband is ultimately seen by God as the respo- the one 
who is accountable for what goes on in the home. That with the respect to vows, right? If the woman made a vow in the home, the husband has the authority to uh, to nullify her vow. But that's that is never reversed. There's no place where a woman can nullify the vow of her husband. And right. back to the creation account, that reminds me when when yeah, it's true that that the woman was deceived, <clears throat> but God went to Adam first. Yeah, he's the one who who that that Adam was accountable. Yeah. yeah. So so. There's no way, and and if you look at the context of these commandments or that Paul is expressing, you know, or uh, relationship, proper relationship, authority uh, structures, etc., in the scriptures, if you look at what he tells men that they have to do, it's way loaded towards the responsibilities that men have, and that's for, that's uh, that reflects the gravity of the responsibility of the man. Um, and another side to this is the context is that of false teachings coming, particularly at Ephesus. If you look at, for example, at the end of Acts 20, where Paul's leaving Ephesus, he says, men were, are going to come in, men, and they're going to bring false teaching. They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They're going to try to raise up disciples after themselves. Right. And so he's writing to Timothy. This is a private letter from Paul to Timothy, who's at Ephesus. And if you look at the very beginning of Timothy, it's about false teachers trying to infiltrate the ecclesia. What's the best defense? The best defense is for the ecclesia to reflect the the God-given order, not to invent its own priorities according to the culture. This is in even more uh, stark relief if you consider the is it uh the woman goddess worship that was at Ephesus, that that there were women uh, who whose view of their role in society could very well have been influenced in the pagan part of the society by the women deities or deity that was worshipped, that it had some special power and prophetic uh, spiritual power of the woman. And so re- the ecclesia has got to reflect godly order Otherwise, it's not going to be able to stand and defend itself as a whole, as a body. It's got to be in order. And that is a, a core aspect here. Um, we got a lot going on in the chat room. Let's address some of this. First of all, somebody, they're talking about MacArthur and that he's wrong on the Sabbath. Therefore, it, uh, some people seem to be you know, downing him as a teacher. What constitutes a false teacher? They can teach 80% truth and it's okay. Um, well... I would posit that uh, that uh, every teacher is twenty percent wrong. <laughs> you just don't know what twenty percent it is. Um, we've been asked. Uh, hang on, let me go back up here. Mutual submission in marriage context, guys. You aren't defining what authority you actually have in practice. That a woman speaking the same truth of God does not have. Yes, we have. Look, commu- community is is a thing that uh, exegetes and and makes the Torah applicable. We have to apply the scriptures within a community, the Torah in, uh, included. And I didn't the, understand. What the, the, the point, point? Well, the, 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 the per, the, this person wants a definition of what, um, basically, what authority a person, an elder would have. I think that the, the, the elders of a community... And this will get to another question. The elders of a community 
are ones who have to make judgment calls when it comes to how to uh, how to apply the scriptures. This is why a person who preaches with authority preaches that you are to keep the scriptures this way. And we've talked about how how community is different. Every community is going to interpret a little bit differently, right? If I go to a different community that says that they believe the exact same thing as me, I'm going to walk in and things are still going to be different. Why is that? Because each community is different. This is how the Torah is a living, breathing thing. It's living and breathing within the, uh, the community structure. And the scriptures, I believe, say that the elders of a community who interpret and preach the word as to apply it to our lives are to be male. That's all there is to it. This doesn't make them better than women. There's an there's no, a, this, yeah. This is not a better than thing, right? This is a this is a structure. It, do you, do we accept the design of the ecclesia that Yeshua builds, or not? That's I mean that's uh, that's what it is. Uh, um, it's definitely not better. It's speak not on better. speak on assemblies that have one pastor and his wife is looked up looked at as co-pastor. There's no uh, there's nowhere in the Bible where there is a one pastor structure. Elders. So I would say that automatically, if you have a one pastor structure at a at your community, you're already on uh, on the wrong foot. Yeah, um, that's not a gender issue, you know. That, um, but yeah, preaching versus authority. What do you think preaching is? Obviously, women are allowed to give the good news, right? And, and teach the good news. I mean, women have to teach the good news to their children. Um, the scriptures even talk about women, uh, you know, teaching other women, all sorts of things. But when, a, when an elder preaches, when an elder preaches the, the word of God, they're doing it with authority to their community. In other words, this is how you are to live. You can't have a female preacher get up in front of a community that she's an elder at and say, this is what the word says, this is what you should do if the other pastors agree. And how can a woman speak or prophesy? Okay, well, once again, I think there is a difference in prophesying, and I believe there's a difference in speaking, than there is to Im impose authority on congregants. I mean, look, my, my father's written extensively on this. There's a article and a video teaching on Torah Resource, the role of women in the Messianic Assembly. God has set up, set up an army. And just like any, any human army, the army of God has, has different positions. That's all there is to it. And quite frankly, I mean, look, I know I knew we going into this, I knew we would get a lot of pushback. But the question is, is how are you going to try to I mean, for those who say, oh, Paul's not talking about women elders or a woman can certainly be an elder. OK, then how are you going to exegete these texts? You will have to twist. You'll have to twist the scriptures so that Paul isn't saying what he's saying. You know, I'm just thinking back, like, what are significant women leaders in the large, what they call, quote, Christian? I think of the gal who did uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Who's the gal? White. 
Ellen yeah. White. Yeah, Ellen G. White. So, I mean, there's people who, like, everything she wrote is like, right? It's like on par with Scripture. I don't, I don't think all Seventh-day Adventists have that, but I think that there's a strain in that. The other one, who is the gal? Um, Mary Baker Eddy, Christian Science. Right. She was a a it got a big following going and she had a book she called The Key to the Scriptures. Right. Um, who's the wasn't it a lady who started Foursquare or. Or Assemblies of God, I could be wrong on that, uh, maybe someone fact check me, but I want to say that it was a woman who began Assemblies of God. So I, I'm just thinking back of like who when I think of recent history, the last couple hundred years and denominations that were founded by women. Maybe there's others that I'm not remembering, but those, uh, those are some. And yeah. And then when you have a woman who's seen as where does she receive correction? Right. In other words, if the, if the hierarchy structure is the way scriptures lay it out and you have a woman who's out there preaching and teaching and authoritatively does she receive is she accountable to any man is she is there any or is she just a successful business person kind of like what i heard macarthur saying she she's just good at peddling goods no matter what the goods are she's just good at selling i believe that look hang on we we need to clarify this i believe that there are people that there are women out there who are you know, they love the Lord and they are attempting to bring other people to the Lord. I don't discount that. Um, Christina brings up a good point. She says, could a woman be a priest for temple service? In other <laughs> words, in, in other no. words, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't hear, I don't hear uh, people arguing the fact that, that God made it so men, men were priests and women weren't. Obviously there's, there's this kind of structure within the Torah. And I'm not saying that that a woman, you know, I don't want to imply. I I I understand what you're saying, Rob, with your examples. I don't want to imply that that women are always going to have bad theology if they are trying to to exegete the Bible. Certainly not. I believe that there are women who. who All right, I would I would agree with you on that. You know, there are, there are women who do uh, wonderful work. That's not the point. And this is. Um, this but is, if you look at the context of like First Timothy, he's concerned about women who are uh, talking about myths and genealogies, and they're getting into, you know. Hang on, just a sec. Somebody in the chat room says, "Not under Aaronic, but under Melchizedekian, we are." Thank you. So, are you saying that the priesthood of the of the Melchizedekian priesthood is not gendered? Defined is first of all not gender defined, but that something in the law itself actually changed. So under the Melchizedekian priesthood, that is in the millennial temple, women will be able to be priests. I don't think so. I don't see any evidence for that priestess. whatsoever. They would be called priestess. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound like. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it certainly uh, is a uh, hot topic. I know that. Uh, I know that uh, MacArthur is uh, getting a lot of backlash. I'm sure that we will too, which is totally fine. Um, you can always write us and tell us what you think, uh, and I would encourage you to do so. 
our email uh, email address chegg that's c h e g g at torresource.com chegg at torresource.com and of course you can I have to interject one thought okay. before we sign out if any examples of a woman uh, you know who accepts that or, or teaches that she's a preacher who's actually out there battling false do- false doctrines like that's what I'd like to see so I'd like to see a, a a a woman quote preacher who's out there um, calling out false doctrines. In other words, you know what I mean? I wonder if there are any. Are there any women preachers who are out there calling out the wolves? And Oh, I'm and, sure there are. But if it's if if we accept if we accept MacArthur's presupposition that this is liberal feminism infiltrating and culture infiltrating how the Bible is read and in, in the churches and how it's being taught. It's, it's a, it's a message of tolerance. It's not a message. You, that's that. If you're coming from that, uh, level and you just want the power, you're not oh, out I there see. calling I, out our heretics. Right. I see what you're saying. It takes so a man, this, it's this the man it... who fights up the false teachings. It's the man who stands against false teaching and is willing to take arrows, you know, while, while but calling this, out the false teachers, this would actually be a, a a hit against what MacArthur said. In other words, if a woman is 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 uh, publicly preaching and calling out false doctrine, then it shows that she is not feminist. She's not necessarily motivated by the feminist agenda. So anyway, so there's there's probably more nuance to this. Absolutely. All right. Uh, you can also call our comment line, 253-465-3205. By the way, there was somebody who watched one of our videos. She called the comment line. She saw a video on uh, on Jonathan Kahn. She left her phone number and said, please call me back. I tried the number four times. It, all, it always said that the number was not in use. So if you called the comment line, she said she was 70 years old. She had a stroke, but she couldn't understand why we uh, were. She against- thought we were totally messed up. She yeah. said we're missing, we're missing it. Um, and and so I would uh, please call again, leave your number again, and or call our office, um, and we I would be happy to chat with you. Um, okay, yeah. Well, I wonder how many uh, people are fully upset at this point. No matter what, the one thing that we try to do with these conversations is to uh, edify and glorify our great God and Savior Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Well, because Yeshua matters. 